And we're the only country in Europe and probably in the world who had this weird shit. So the best things about Finland, school, healthcare, and the quality of the air. You can become whatever you want, whenever you want. And you don't, you, you will not be burdened by horrible death. I really don't like is always this rise of populism and protectionism. We have serious problems with the lack of doctors, with lack of nurses, etc. So I think now is really the time to really focus on how do we integrate people. Finns need to understand that to be born and be able to live in this country is like winning the lotto. Hello, welcome to Joy of Finland, the podcast that highlights Finland's strengths and areas of improvement. I'm Matt, your host. A little bit about myself. I'm originally from India and grew up quite globally in seven different countries, mostly in North America. And I was a former exchange student that came back for a master's here in Finland. And I've had an amazing time here, which is why I want to share more about what's so great. At the same time, I want to paint an authentic picture, so I want to unpack what's not so great as well. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce the, our guest, Monica Likama. Yep. Tried my best there yeah, with the pronunciation. Pretty awesome, yes. <laughs> yes. So Monica's uh, had a career that's involved 20 plus years in the payments industry, and now she's the co-founder and co-CEO of Enfus. Enfus is a fintech payment service provider, and they've to date, raised 62 million euros in funding. So really exciting to have you on board. Thank you. Uh, and why don't we just get started with sharing you sharing a little bit more about your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. And uh, God, every time uh, a younger person tells me how long I've been in the industry, it becomes like, oh, shit. But yeah, born and raised in Sweden to Finnish parents, studied tech when I was younger, so I went also to Luleå University and then graduated as a system architect. So started coding back in the 90s. And then in in 94, I actually, before my studies, I, I was 19, I, was, I met my future husband and he's from the Finnish side of the border. And then we were just coming out of the depression in Finland, so in the mid 90s. And very hard to find job so then we decided to move south for work and back in 1997 uh, we moved to Helsinki area and then I started working in Unilever uh, in the IT department pretty much printing powerpoint slides probably wouldn't even call PowerPoint slides, but slides that were used on an overhead projector. <laughs> yeah, God, I feel really old now. But uh, then fast forward, ended up in the dot-com boom. I was uh, working uh, at a telco, Telia, which is Swedish, Sweden's biggest telco, but in the Finnish branch. And I was doing uh, network planning, so how the all the calls and the infrastructure is done. And then uh, in 2006, I felt that I've done everything I could there. I was the IT manager at that time, uh, responsible for the Finnish uh, business. And then I founded my first company, 
through that company, I became a consultant building a bank. So S Group, which is one of Finland's biggest retail change they they have everything from you know funeral parlors <laughs> to to hotels restaurants food stores uh, a- anything and everything uh, they decided to build a bank and i was the test manager uh, as a consultant and then i as a person like getting shit done like i don't i really do whatever i can to make the project a success we did a successful launch in 2000 and in october And at that point, I was also asked to become the CIO of the bank, which I did. And joined the NS Bank, headed the IT part of it, so in the management team. And then we did some acquisitions. We bought the Citibank lending business, run that project. And I think three, four years in, I then started feeling again that, okay, is this it? And I was asked by Kroski Banking Solution, who is the core uh, bank's provider of uh, uh, S-Bank, that if I would come and build their card and payment, mobile payments business. And I jumped at that opportunity and uh, spent the next four or five years building that. Uh, met my to-be co-founder Denise and, and other people that are currently working at Enfuse. And then somewhere in 2015, I had done my executive MBA because apparently I was a bit bored. And then I was like, okay, but what do I actually want to do? And uh, then I just quit because I I just, it it didn't feel right anymore. And I I put a list of the things that I liked and the the list that I didn't was too long. So I quit my job. And then as I have four kids and a lot of house loan, and in Finland we, we repay the mortgage, I needed to work for a living and I took a gig at Actia Bank. And at the same time, I was presented with an opportunity that led to Enfuse. And fast forward eight years, pretty much actually eight years from when I resigned. I'm sitting here now talking to you. That's definitely quite the journey. And as as you put it, definitely got a lot of shit done yeah, over the yeah, years. True. So I guess before we get into the focus of Finland, one question I thought I'd ask is, actually, my first interaction with you ever was online at a Women in Tech event several years ago. Yeah, it is. And so as I've understood, you're quite a big advocate for women in tech. So maybe you could share, I don't know, whatever. It's pretty broad. Share whatever thoughts you have on that. Great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I have uh, two daughters and two sons. And as I'm tech background myself, I do believe, and both me and Denise do believe strongly that uh, the world will be a better place uh, the more equal we are. And as such, equality also comes from understanding. And pretty much anything and everything is tech nowadays. I I remember someone saying that... uh, Young girls, uh, when they turn 12, 13, up until then, math- mathematics is like something that they just do because that's the school system. But then something happens and they, for whatever pressure or media or whatnot, tend to gravitate to- towards stuff that are non-tech. But in the end of the day, even if you want to be a clothes designer or whatever, it's all about tech. So really making sure that women have a voice because... 
that enables the world to become a better place is something that we work a lot with. So anything and everything from young children and of course girls and boys, uh, because Denise, she has a daughter and a son as well, uh, up until when you are graduating from high school and you are like choosing your path. We work a lot with Alta University many years now to make sure that young women also decide to go further into the education in the tech side. And of course, in anything like the organization we have at Enfuse, it's tech. I'm like, we're a fintech. And uh, we have currently 52% of the workforce are women and 48 of the managers are women. So it, it is important because, again, diversity brings better stuff. It's, it is as simple as that. But it's, you need to do it every day and think about it every day. And I want, I want to build a legacy so that I have built something that I can be proud of. And I want really to show by example to my kids that whatever you want to achieve... Regardless of who you are, you can do it, but don't be an asshole. So that's in short. It's not very short. (laughs) Wise words of advice, I would say, and very important mission. And I must say, very impressive for the numbers for Enfusis, but for any company in tech. Yeah, and it's not easy because I I do remember when we founded the company and we started off and we realized women don't apply so the first, let's say, 20 hires were easy because I knew them all. I was like, oh, shit, we need this. Let me call that and that. But then it was like, yeah, I don't know anyone anymore. Like now we need to start hiring. Uh, and they're really looking into how do we hire? How does the job description look, etc., etc. It's really important to get better candidates because in the end of the day, skills can be taught and learned. Attitude. That's a big challenge. I guess you've clearly figured out something, right? There. Yeah, it's not easy and I'm still figuring it out because then the funny thing is that when you finally figure something out, the company has changed a lot because you scale and it's, again, you have the next next set of challenges. And I, I sometimes get told currently as we're in the scale-up phase, like we are over 130 people, and in multiple countries, and sometimes when I like, oh God, how hard can it be? Then someone likes come. So, someone just told me like, but Monica, hey, think about it like this: you have awesome tech and platform, and then you have good people, but maybe there are still some changes that needs to be made. That's a better problem to have than to have just amazing people and shit tech. <laughs> because I don't believe that anyone comes to work and decides to suck at it. Uh, But it's a lot about processes and it's also about what phase of the journey you are and what kind of person you are. Like, do you fit anymore? Also understanding and learning that some people will join and and really grow within the company and some will come in, do a a good job and then need will we'll continue somewhere else. And that's fine. Both are okay as long as it takes the business and the company forward towards the mission. Yeah, very very helpful tactical company building advice. Yeah, I I, yeah, and I think it's also, it's mentally good to have that because otherwise you would stress like, ah, why isn't this working and why is that working? But like having the knowledge or let's say being okay with the fact that's just how it is. 
it's it makes it easier as an entrepreneur. Love to dive deeper, yeah. but in the interest yeah. of time, let's move on to Finland. Or yes. speaking of what's working and not working, so what is working in Finland, or what do you think Finland's strengths are? Yeah, we have a lot of strengths. I think the good thing when you ask what's the top three stuff, it's it comes. And remember again, I am a mother of four, and that is still the most important thing. It might sound like a cliche, but once you have your own kids and they become sick, etc., then then you realize. So the best things about Finland: school, healthcare, and the quality of the air. So we have the most purest air in the world. We have one of the best school systems and we have one of the best healthcare systems. Of course, as a Finn, when you've only lived here or for the ones who have only lived here, of course you are dissatisfied and etc. But you and me both have lived elsewhere. It's very awesome. So and that's these are the things that you don't think about when you don't need it. But when you have, for example, children with, let, let's say, learning disabilities or any other kind of disabilities, if you have children that are sick, etc., having the kind of healthcare that we have and the kind of school system, that's the reason why we are one of the happiest uh, people in the world. Because it's not about being happy, clappy. It's about the flow of life that you know that everyone will be taken care of. And yes, I know some will like blah 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 blah. But again, go to San Francisco. Go go to London. We don't have homeless homeless people that you need to step over when you're going out of the door, etc. And it's not because it's cold weather. <laughs> Very well said. I think on the purity of air, what I connect that to is nature, which yes. is something Maybe as I grew I grew a bit older, I've realized how important it was. So there's definitely that in Canada and the U.S. where I've lived. But something about it here has yeah. really given me a perspective shift. Yeah. But maybe for those listening outside of Finland, could you maybe speak to a little bit more about education, for example, or what healthcare is like here? Yeah. Uh, first of all, both from a good and a bad side. But if you think about the teachers or the people working at from daycare until university they have they are highly educated people so like pretty much most of them have a master's degree so we really value education and we respect it and as such just like looking at sweden where i used to work, uh, live how the school system has been how to put it nice well fucked up because of how they changed it back in the 90s And there is not the level uh, of quality of the teachers, which of course then comes to how you teach people, how you teach children, etc. So having that and also understanding that the school is free. Now, of course, it's not free for the country, but we believe that we, everyone has an opportunity to study as long as they make an effort. And yes... Again, I have dyslexia. Some of my children have it, but there's a lot of t- good tools, etc., etc. There. So, if you're willing to do the work, there is nothing that can stop you. I think that's a massive, awesome thing. So that universe, you can be a PhD, and you don't have to pay for it. 
So just looking at that, there is an incentive system that you can become whatever you want, whenever you want, and you don't, you you will not be burdened by horrible debt. That is never the excuse. So I think from that side, I think that's one of the very unique stuff when it comes to Finland from a school system. Of course, it's pretty similar in the Nordic countries, but then there's the level and the appreciation and respect for the actual tra- for the actual teachers. Undoubtedly, the emphasis on education for yes. teachers is something. Yeah, when you're just comparing, not to name countries, but yeah, yeah. it's just uh, so different. And I, I like what you touched on. The way I see it, one of the biggest attractors for me to Finland, or maybe the Nordics broadly speaking, is equality of opportunity. And yes. I like how your parents' financial status much less so dictates yes. what you're able to do. And Correct. Know, I have the context in the U.S. where... I've been very fortunate and privileged, yeah. but that's not no. the case for others. So it's true. If I look at my own background, my my mother ha- hasn't done a college degree even, and she worked at library. And then my father used to be a bus driver, and then he became a taxi entrepreneur. So like driving, but that's the level. So I don't think that they have ever. I don't think they even graduated. No, they didn't. Ni- neither of them. And then you look at me, like first, of course, the bachelor, and then the master. And and I think not even that is the important. And I did my executive MBA. I was 40 because I I wanted to do something more. And I was a bit bored probably also. And I wanted the finance stuff. So again, having that opportunity is exactly one of the equalizers. So we have really succeeded in building Uh, a society where class doesn't exist at the same way that it does, for example, in Sweden. So in in Finland, for example, we most of us are born equally poor. <laughs> like by if you like, just look at back from the in, at the independence, etc. So I think those are the key factors. And this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think one of the reasons also why Finland is so equal. It's also because of the war. 80, 84 years ago, when Russia decided to do stupid shit and we start fighting back, the men went to war and the women needed to run the society. So I, I do think that, and there's of course, it's not my opinion, but there's a lot of that also embedded, that in order for us to protect ourselves and build a functioning society, we need both, men and women. And I think that has also been a key foundation for where we are today and how the society is evolving for sure i think for me it's really telling how society treats women when you're comparing to see how well things function because that's 50 percent 50 so very important and of course we could dive deeper but again yeah. in the interest yeah, yeah. of time cool. we can uh, move on to There's a lot of great things, but there's always areas for improvement. Yes. So whatever you have in mind. Yeah, I'm not going to go into taxation, etc., mm-hmm. just because, of course, it is also a foundation of the society. We, we have high taxes, but again, as we just mentioned about the good, it doesn't come for free. 
I do think that some things that we sometimes have, that there is this difference between being humble and I don't know what is in English, but it's like when you take it like too far, when you are apologetic, it's a difference between hum, being humble and being apologetic. So in Finnish, nöyrä, nöyristellä, which means that people tend to confuse these things. And when they confuse that apologetic is a virtue and not the humbleness, it means that also the envy rises. So like you're envious of your neighbor or, or stuff like that. So if we just look at this, the one day in Finland when we are, it's called the, the Kateuspäivä, the envy day, it's when the tax report comes out. If you know that once a day, I think it's is it early December, the list of people who earned over 100k is public. And, and somehow that is the epitome of the envious and I think if we could lose that if we could actually see that it's awesome for the country that more people earn more money by working hard and that's a good thing because then they can employ more people again I started from an idea I I have over 70 people in Finland that we pay salaries to, we pay taxes, healthcare, etc. And they have families. So if I look at that, a lot of people are affected by the work that we started doing. But sometimes that's a problem. So the attitude problem is one that if we could lose that. And also in connection to that comes the fact that we think that anything and everything produced by someone else than a Finn is somehow better. So Finns seldomly buy from Finns. And if I look at just France, where French often only buy from France, if we could have a little bit of that, that, that would be great. But otherwise, I do think that we've lived challenging times now. We've lived challenging times before. And as I said, I've seen... I am a child from the Depression. Then I saw the dot-com boom. Then I saw the dot-com crash. Then I went into the banking world, saw the hype. And then I was a bank CIO when the financial crash came. And then I became an entrepreneur. And then hit COVID. And then I was, we were recovering from COVID, came the war. I'm like, seriously, what the fuck? <laughs> but in the end of the day, I think in all, the bad stuff in Finland, it's more attitude and short-sightedness and if people could actually a bit more so the things I really don't like is always this rise of populism and protectionism and the reason why I don't think we have as much as some other countries in Euros is because of the education so I keep telling my children always stay in school so when they hear racist stuff or stupid shit I was like stay in school Because people who talk that kind of stuff are ignorant. So those are the, the bad things. But in the big picture, it's not that bad. And we all need to make it better. Because we can't lose all the awesomeness we have. For sure. I think there's a few things you touched on which I could unravel a bit 
Taxation is, I won't get into it too much, but the only thing that I've experienced there is I've worked at startups before and as an early stage employee. And I think tax, the way stock options or or employee equity is taxed, it doesn't make any sense to me. No, and we're the only country in Europe and probably in the world who had this weird shit, yeah, the subscription and everything. Yeah, because the tax authorities deem excel valuations to be considered real etc it's it's, Mm. yeah it's a shit show yeah but again (laughs) not this won't be a clinic on taxation but then yeah the you touched on rising populism and racism a bit so i guess you in the this year we've definitely seen more of that or manifest more of that so yes do you want to provide some more context for people uh, that wouldn't know about that yeah. from outside of Finland? Yeah, of course. Uh, we've, uh, as in many countries, especially during harsh times, we, we it's not the first time. You can always see that. I remember when I was in Sweden back in the 90s and we could really see Sverigedemokraterna, which is pure racist be become coming to power and, and now they are more or less a legit party which is says more about Sweden but but any anyway we have of course the same problems in Finland and and I think that it's so easy to get votes and come into power in situations where you can paint the picture about other people coming in and stealing our jobs that's the but then we have a lot of jobs that no fin will touch and and if we just look at the healthcare again i'm like we have serious problems with the lack of doctors with lack of nurses etc i do hope that the current government which isn't seen maybe in the same light as the the previous one but i am not a socialist and and i do think that from a finance perspective the last one did a, a big disservice to 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 us but really the the way we can see different kind of rallies coming up and i think one thing that really concerned me was when i read i think it was on sunday that there was this shooting incident where a 16 year old had shot a 19 year old at the cinema we have never had that before and the 19 year old had a vest so he knew he was a target and that's of course drug related and that's what if you like talked about the swedish path we want to want to go there so anyone who thinks that segregation is the good stuff like when refugees come in which we can see more and it will grow more because now we're seeing uh, people uh, fleeing hardships where it's war but we will see much more climate refugees in the coming uh, decades. And I think if we think that doing what Sweden did to put people that look different, than, than think different because of how they are biased by birth and where they're grown up, that would be a good thing. Then we're horribly wrong. So I think now is really the time to really focus on how do we integrate people Uh, How do we get more people here who actually want to come to Finland? Because I think that's also something that we miss. We talk a lot about we are the happiest country in the world. This is so awesome. And yet there's not many people actually come here by choice. (laughs) So like, how how could we do that? Because people who come here by choice, they come here to work. And then we are again back into the 
company politics, meaning the taxation issues, etc., etc. So there's a lot of stuff that we could pretty easily make better and as such really grow the, I don't know if the right word is tolerance, but the understanding that diversity is a gift and not a curse. So I think those are the things that we really need to, and that also, of course, applies to the current government. So the the people in power need to have that as well. And of course, we have the true Finns, which isn't seemed as a very, let's say, party who advocates nor understands these kind of values. And And I think it's because a lot of people that probably never should be elected. That's also the curse when you are so free and open as a country that stupid people get elected as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's sometimes double-edged things with, with the way Finland is. I would still take it for what it is then, again, when you're always comparing with elsewhere. So that's helpful, but I guess just speaking of something that I see, and maybe it's not exclusive mm. to Finland, is that when when there's always a what about somewhere else, but I don't want to see too much of that. Mm. The way I see Finland is it's awesome, but let's look at Finland as its own and how can we make it yeah. even more awesome. Yes. Let's make it the best thing ever. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's again coming to the problems in the mindset thinking that humbleness means apologetic, putting the bar. Let's be the best country in the world. And what does that look like? And let's strive for it. And let's work there. And their diversity and inclusion is critical and key because we have a lot of challenges and problems that could be helped already by now getting more people to actually want to come here and live here. Yeah. And it looks like we're we're just about at time. Yeah. So I guess the last thoughts are, at least on my side, is I think there's a lot of pota- untapped potential here. Yes. Uh, lots of things like we talked about that lays a f- solid foundation for the future. And yeah, maybe some things are going awry in the short term, but long term, I'm bullish on Finland, at least. That's why I would yes. look to stay. But... Maybe, Monica, I don't know if you have any last thoughts for for the listeners or anything you want to share. Yeah, I think us Finns need to understand that to be born and be able to live in this country is like winning the lotto. And winning the lotto is the only one way that Finns accept anyone to get rich, apparently. (laughs) But, But I do say that we are open for business and anyone who sees an opportunity should really take the opportunity to come and live here. Because, of course, the I wouldn't use the word work-life balance. Life is happier in Finland. So welcome. That's a good soundbite. I'm going to use that. Yeah. But thank you again so thank much, you. Monica. Thanks.